Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, in the you-may-have-missed-it department, uh, and an important miss, there are things happening in Congress that do impact us right here in the state of Utah and do impact the rest of the world. This week, the United States Senate passed a resolution uh, in support of a U.S.-U.K. free trade deal. So the question is, how close are we to to getting that kind of deal? Why does it matter? And why is it important in terms of businesses right here in the state of Utah? Uh, we had the opportunity with Inside Sources to uh, to speak with uh, Jameson Greer. Uh, and uh, Jameson has some great insight and perspective in terms of uh, what this all is and what this all means. He's a partner at the international law firm of King and Spalding and the former chief of staff for the office of the U.S. Trade Representative. Uh, and so we asked Jameson uh, about this. What is this resolution? Why did it come about? And what's the impact? Previously, when the U.K. was part of the EU, all of their trade and investment and, and customs rules, they all were unified with the EU. But with Brexit, uh, the U.K. is now standing on its own with respect to international trade, and so it's concluded a number of agreements with uh, you know, New Zealand, uh, with Central American countries, with the EU, of course, and Asian countries, and it's seeking to uh, have an agreement with the United States as well. Jameson said that there is uh, has been skepticism. So this has taken some time. Remember, uh, you had the whole Brexit issue and uh, the United Kingdom choosing to leave the Europe- leave the European Union. Uh, And so there has been skepticism from both sides of the political aisle when it comes to free trade Uh, compared to the the Trump administration, uh, somewhat openness to free trade. Biden administration has been focused on domestic investments. Jameson weighed into that in terms of some of that skepticism uh, and what it looks like currently. Overall, the notion of free trade, there's been a lot of skepticism toward it in the United States over the past few years across both parties. Um, However, you know, in the Trump administration, there was a view that if you have a like-minded country that believes in fair trade, then maybe that would be a good candidate for a free trade agreement partner. And the United Kingdom, of course, fits the bill, right? We have shared values. We have shared history. We have shared economic views. And it just made sense. In the current administration, uh, when they first came in, they wanted to pause and, and think about what their trade policy should be. And so that's fair enough to, to give that some time. Uh, but now they've been in place for a while. And there's not really a reason not to try to have a free trade agreement with the United Kingdom. But there's a lot of reasons to do it that would benefit businesses and workers on both sides of the Atlantic. Um, but there is very much a focus on this administration on focusing on domestic investment. And there's 
there's not a big push to do comprehensive free trade agreements. So this is really interesting. Uh, in our conversation, uh, Jameson said that a trade deal between the United States and the United Kingdom would actually be a great thing for the state of Utah. The United Kingdom is an important trading part of the United States, and particularly with Utah. You know, the UK has a strong pharmaceutical and medical device industry. We know that Utah has some of that, too. Uh, we know that both Utah and the UK have strong services industries that are complementary. Because when you talk about a trade agreement, it's not just about trading goods and tariffs. It's about trade and services. It's about trade investment. It's about bringing down non-tariff barriers, making sure that the regulatory regimes in each jurisdiction uh, facilitate trade. And I think Utah would stand to benefit uh, across the board. And this is one, again, it's kind of in the you probably missed it category. Uh, this was actually surprising to me. Uh, so this resolution, again, it passed bipartisan support in the Senate this week. And uh, if you go back to uh, 2015, 2016, the United Kingdom was Utah's largest export market. In 2016, Utah exported over $3.5 billion in goods and services to the United Kingdom. Uh, So the resolution that was uh, passed in the Senate, again, calling for a free trade agreement between the United States and the United Kingdom, introduced by Utah Senior Senator Mike Lee, uh, who advocated for this kind of trade agreement. Again, it shows you how long these things take, uh, but the impact can be really significant. Uh, I was shocked to to see that in 2016, $3.5 billion in goods were exported from Utah to the United Kingdom. Uh, That's a significant number. Uh, and so as we continued our, our conversation, uh, Jameson also outlined uh, kind of what comes next, what to expect if the administration decides to move forward uh, on this and try to actually negotiate a specific deal with the U.K. So the next steps would be for uh, the administration to get back to Congress and tell them, you know, we have this we have these negotiations on ice. We want to restart this. The administration currently is having some trade talks with the UK, but not on major issues. It's really kind of a door that's waiting to be pushed open. One concern that that Congress might have is right now, there's not a bill for trade promotion authority in place. Normally, Congress passes trade promotion authority, and that essentially allows the administration, if they negotiate a a trade agreement, to fast track it through Congress. That authority has expired, and that would have to be renewed at some point. Um, But that doesn't stop negotiations from going on. And my guess is that if the administration was able to negotiate a good deal with the U.K., uh, it would get through Congress. That's so interesting. So there does seem to be enough support there. It will be a big question to see whether the Biden administration chooses to lean into that. Uh, Jameson pointed out for us uh, some of the things that he thought the administration uh, might be hesitant about or some of the concerns they might have uh, if this were to move forward. It's important to understand, too, that the administration and particularly Democrats in Congress, they also want to make sure that the UK's agreement with the EU, especially with respect to Northern Ireland, is functioning well. Uh, There is a concern among uh, Democrats in the House and with President Biden, I think, that if the UK is not honoring this agreement with the EU, there is going to be less willingness on the U.S. side to, to work with them on that. Uh, Jameson also said there really hasn't been much pushback at all here in the U.S. We have not seen as much, I guess, popular opposition to that to the trade agreement with the U.K. And part of that is because it's not it's not a low cost manufacturing jurisdiction, right? That's the concern about uh, you know a TPP, for example, that would bring in Vietnam and Malaysia. These are low cost manufacturing jurisdictions that could undermine U.S. jobs. But the U.K. Um, they don't have a huge manufacturing base anymore. 
uh, where they do. It's for advanced manufacturing, where they have a lot of complementary manufacturing with the United States. So finally, Jameson went through and looked at some of the challenges on the U.K. side of the agreement. Should this move forward? In the U.K., um, there is some there is some popular resistance to it, mostly because the United States would be seeking to have agricultural market access. And there are a lot of folk in the U.K. who have misconceptions about, you know, U.S. and genetically modified organisms, about pesticides, uh, different things that give some people in the United Kingdom some pause about having more open trade with the United States. So a really interesting uh, thing there with, again, the U.K. leaving the EU and now looking for different kinds of deals uh, to look to this kind of free trade agreement between the United States and the United Kingdom, uh, I think is a significant thing. There was definitely some negotiating, some back and forth, uh, which is exactly what we like to see in the United States Senate uh, when Republicans and Democratic colleagues can go back and forth and look at versions of bills and resolutions. And over the course of the, the past three years, uh, finally bring that together into at least a beginning phase in terms of resolution uh, that did pass the United States Senate. And again, this has impact right here in the state of Utah. Uh, As I mentioned before, uh, just in 2016 alone, Utah exported over $3.5 billion in goods and services uh, to the United Kingdom. Uh, So this is an important relationship for businesses here in Utah. It's important for the United States and the United Kingdom as the closest of allies uh, to make sure they remain connected there as well. So, again, the resolution passing in the United States Senate bipartisan uh, sponsored by Utah Senator Mike Lee. And, again, that's an important one uh, as we continue to talk about the economics of it all in a global perspective in the middle of a war in Ukraine with Russia uh, and a host of other uncertainties with China and beyond. We'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.